0: The weekly podcast from Harvest Christian Fellowship Church. For more teaching or to find out more about the life of Harvest CFC, please visit our website at harvestcfc.com.
1: My series is actually called Anchored to Hope, and tonight's talk: how to hold on to hope. Because I think it's a practical application. But, you know, it's funny, as I was just kind of preparing for tonight, uh, I just wanted to keep this, this vision in your mind. of uh, You can either choose Tarzan or monkeys, I don't mind. But the application is that monkeys are Tarzan swinging through trees on a rope. It's like basically there is this kind of going from one thing to the next, flying from one thing to the next, and uh, always on the move to get somewhere and uh, always put their weight on something else. But tonight I want to talk to you about Hebrews chapter 16, or chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. And we're going to talk about the, uh, we've been talking about the Passion Bible recently, but tonight I'm going to jump over to another paraphrase version of the Bible called the Message Bible. Anybody heard of that? Yeah. Yeah? Good stuff. All right. So the Passage, the passage Bible, the Passage Bible, that's the, uh, that's kind of a cross between the Passion Bible and the Message Bible. It's called the Passage Bible. All right. So I just made that up. Uh, you can put that in your book, uh, one of Richard's, Richardisms. And uh, Hebrews 6, 18 in the, uh, in the passage Bible says, uh, God can't break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run before our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope that with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. And uh, This is a great scripture. And so, when I talk about how do we hold on to hope, I really felt like the scripture that jumped out of me, the sentence that jumped out of me was this one. It says, We who have run for our very lives to God Have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Okay, so that's a complete changeover from Tarzan swinging through trees and monkeys swinging through trees on ropes. Alright, so, but the imagery here is the fact that in the paraphrased Bible, I think it's there to encourage us because if we really think about this, the overall vision that I catch when when I read this message Bible passage is an assurance of our absolute security when we receive and believe the promises of God. So this whole scripture is all about the blessing that comes through believing in the promises of God. So if God has made any promises to you personally, then you have to be someone that says, I'm holding on to that. I'm not letting go of the hope that I have in this promise. It is something that God has given to you to hang on to. But the context for this scripture in Hebrews chapter 6 is actually taken right from the story of Abraham. And Abraham, in case you don't know, was 75 years old. So that's an encouragement for people like myself and Art and Gary and a few others who are getting a little bit older. You know, I really, I love the fact that God decides to pick Abraham in a moment in his life to do something brand new. Something fresh. Something so different that it probably took Abraham by surprise. He actually asked him to leave his, his homeland, the place where he was brought up, and move on his adventure with God to a place that God would show him. And so as I was thinking about this, I was greatly encouraged by the fact that Abraham is our example of a promise kept. God made a promise and God kept it, but it did not work out the way that we anticipate. So this is what the scripture that I want to jump back to in Genesis chapter 13 verse 14 where it says that this is where God came into uh, Lot's life, or sorry, Abraham's life took him on a journey and then brought him to a crossroads where he was with Lot, his nephew, and they had an argument over land and so in that moment of arguing God said, you know, make a choice so Abraham basically said to Lot, you choose whichever part you want and I'll choose what's left many of you know that that's not always the part that we like we always want to be at first choice, right? Right, on. right? We want first choice we want to pick the best. But this situation, this is the story. And Abraham, he is so gracious and compassionate, taking the Lord's character. And he basically says to Lot, you choose what you want and I'll take what's left. So Lot chose, of course, the best looking land. And off he went. And of course, we know that it wasn't necessarily the best land in the end, but it's what he thought was the best land. And then the Lord says this to Abraham, which I think we need to just pay a little bit of attention to here. It says, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north, south, east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. Now, the problem with this word from God, none of us have ever had this problem before. Three times God mentions his offspring, which I'm sure had Abraham wondering about the whole promise, because at 75 years of age, he doesn't have any kids. So, I wonder if Abraham, or Abram as he's known here, immediately thought that God had the wrong guy. I mean, let's face it, Lot was a young viral guy. He could have been out there and he could have, you know, had lots of offspring. But God picks a 75-year-old with no offspring to make promises about offspring. Many of you know that sometimes we think God doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) Sometimes we think that God gives us promises that are not accurate because there's part of it that we don't understand. So sometimes God speaks to us and He says, I want you to take this step of faith. I want you to go in this direction. I want you to do something you haven't done before. And He gives us some proviso in that word that actually doesn't go the way we expect or anticipate because it doesn't line up with what we know to be true. So in our mind, we can easily say that because... This uh, scripture or this this encounter talked about offspring. You could almost think that God got it wrong three times, so therefore God was wrong with the whole word. It's not the truth. You could think that, couldn't you? Okay. Well, I thought that.
0: <laughs> but
1: you know, I was thinking, isn't it funny how we? You see, the problem here is this. Okay, I'll tell you the problem. We know the rest of the story. <laughs> you know, that's the problem here. You guys are race, racing ahead and going, oh yeah, but I know how it worked out. Well, put yourselves in Abraham's shoes at this moment in time when God speaks to him and tells him that he's going to have offspring when he's 75 years old and he doesn't have any kids. He's got nothing. So in that moment, he has to now move into a place where either the word is true or the word isn't. Either God is speaking something into his life that's different than what he expected because God has a purpose and a plan to unfold that is not yet fully written or he's not. Either God is right or God is wrong. Either God is truthful and honest and his word is always sure and always accurate and always right, or it's not. So God is challenging Abraham here and his belief system. So as we follow this story, this Abraham story, we discover that he was just like the rest of us. (laughs) Us mere mortals trying to figure out and understand the plan and purpose of God in our lives. Does yeah. anybody else struggle with the purpose and the plan of God? Yeah. I mean, is it just me? No, no, just... I mean, I've been doing this now for 30 odd years pastoring a church. And I honestly tell you there are times when I really do wonder, God, do you really know what you're doing? God, did you really pick the right person? Because I'm sure that Abraham probably thought that. I think God got it wrong. Because if God knew me, he would know I have no kids. I don't have any offspring. So why is God saying you and your offspring will inherit this land? You will, you will have so many that they, it would be impossible to count. Just one would have been nice.
0: <laughs>
1: Just a seed of, of a child would have been nice. Just something to start with would have been nice. But as we know the story, and we of course race ahead to the, the other parts of the story, we know that this began to get fulfilled you know, 25 years later when he has his first child uh a child of promise, who is of course Isaac, so as we look at this picture, I was kind of remembered, I guess reminded <laughs> that um, Abraham, of course, we know the story, will become the father of faith. We know that we know that we are in fact, his offspring today. We are the ones that are all of the offspring of faith. We, we are now caught up with the dust of the earth, as it were. We are so many of us believers around the globe. That were impossible to count. So we have have done the work. God has multiplied his purpose and his plan in the earth. and, And Abraham's seed has gone into the world as a seed of faith. But the reality is that in this moment. In this moment, there has to be this encounter. And I I realize that, you know, I don't know about your story, but I know my story. And I know that in those times when I have really challenged myself in the faith and said, God, I really don't understand what you're saying, what you're doing. I find myself, and you maybe are not like this, but I find myself waking up at like 3 o'clock in the morning, looking at the alarm clock going, why am I awake at 3 o'clock in the morning? And then I find myself starting to think about all the things that are not working out the way that I expected and suddenly there's this kind of fear factor that starts to settle in, and I begin to think to myself, I wonder what the outcomes are going to look like. I wonder how this is going to play out. I wonder how all of this is going to be in the days to come. You see, on the journey to become the father of faith, Abraham would first of all have to go and face his fears. That's right. You can't get to be the father of faith. You can't get to be the place where faith is everything to you until you walk through the valley of fear, until you understand that fear has to be overcome, because when fear comes along it cripples us in our journey it stops us taking the steps of faith and I know that Abraham or Abraham is in exactly the same boat that I've been in so many times because in this next exchange in Genesis chapter 15 verse 1 it says this the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision listen to this interesting I thought do not be afraid Abraham (laughs) that's the first encounter that he has after this word has been given that he's going to have this land and offspring and everything else. And Abraham is lying in his tent at night, thinking to himself, God got it wrong. God picked the wrong person. I'm not that person. I am not the one who's going to inherit all the land. I'm not going to see the promises of God fulfilled in the way that I believe. And so he's he's having this moment in the middle of the night, having this dream or encounter, and then suddenly he wakes up and he's afraid. Because why would the Lord say, do not be afraid? Have you ever realized the Lord doesn't just waste words? You know, if he shows up and says, don't be afraid, it's because you're afraid. So Abraham, in this moment, wakes up in his tent, and he's having this moment, and he's obviously having these doubts and these fears, and going through all the uncertainties of this word that he's got from God, and wondering what he's doing, wandering about in the wilderness, in this, this land. Where's it going to lead to? Where am I going to go? What's, what is God doing in my life? And then the Lord shows up and says, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. What a wonderful scripture. Except, when you're trying to figure out the purpose and plan of God <laughs> in your life, it is nice to know that God is your shield and your great reward, but what about the promise? What about the thing that you said about my life? What about this thing to do with kids and offspring? How is that going to play out? And so in this exchange with God, we have this but experience. But Abraham said, or Abraham said, Oh sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Basically a servant of his. And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Now, Abraham, of course, wants to believe the word of the Lord. But well, let's face it, he's already been challenged by God's word previously. And so his his response to this situation, and this kind of struck me, and I see him verbalizing what many of us think. What can you give me since I remain childless? How often have we done that? Yeah. How often have we limited God because of what we don't have? We want some assurance. Yeah. We seem to be that kind of people So how can God how can you promise me that when I'm lacking in this? God, you can't possibly fulfil that promise because this is this part, this very important part, is obviously missing. My offspring will never fill the earth because I don't have any children. Wow. God, how can you promise to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine? when I have no job, no education, no money, and no hope for the future? God, how can you promise that all my household will be saved, or that my children will never depart from your ways, when the opposite seems to be happening? We can all be encouraged by God's response to Abraham in this moment. It's like, God reads his mind, sees what he's going through, and goes, okay, all right, buddy, I'm going to take you out. Now, this was nicely put because, you know, my mom used to say, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. So this was not that kind of event. This was not the end for Abraham. This was the beginning. So in this situation, what we see here is in Genesis 15, 5. Then the Lord took Abraham, or Abraham outside and said to him, look, yeah. look to the yeah. skies, yeah. look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Yeah. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed God in that moment. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. What a beautiful encounter that this is. Because what is happening here, you know, I was wondering what this was about. Because when I think about it, I was like, what's the difference, Lord? You want me to go outside and count stars? And before I was counting dust in the ground, so shall my offspring be. You know, it's basically in this moment what we see is this encounter that is now becoming real to Abraham because let's face it, every single one of us have heard stories about God's goodness, about God's, the testimonies of what God has done, the things that God has promised in your lives, the thing that God is unfolding in your life, the thing that God has said that isn't yet fully realized yet. And so here we are in the story with God, and Abraham is caught up in this moment, and now the God of the universe, who he knows the stories about the creation. He knows that God created the heavens and the earth, and the God of the story has now showed up in his story, and the God of the story has taken him outside and showing him the evidence of the story wow. and saying, "Hey, look, Abraham, I did that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Look what I did. Can you count all those stars?" Um, Basically in this moment it's like Abraham's coming alive and he suddenly realizes that in this moment God is saying it's a finished work. What I have done look at it. I hung millions of stars in space. You don't think I can provide your offspring? You don't think that I can do what I promised? You don't think that I can do what I have said? So how do we hold on to hope? We have to stop for a moment. And we have to consider all that he's already done. Historically. That's what Abraham did when he saw it. His faith awakened. And Abraham believed the Lord in that moment. Because now the connection was made. The God of the universe. The God who created. The God who was and is and ever will be. The God who put all things in place. Had now showed up in his life. In his tent. Taken him outside and connected the dots. And said look. I am the God who did that. I can do this. I think we have to do the same thing. We need to stop and reflect on all that Jesus has already done. The finished work. It's already complete. The God who has come. The God who paid the ultimate price. The God who came to earth to live a sinless life and give his life up for you and I as a sacrifice for our sin. His life, crucifixion, death and resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven has become our outside event. Yeah. God wants to take us out of our perspective, come out on, of on, our self-centeredness, yes. out of our place where we get so caught up in ourselves and our own journey in our own life that we forget that God is able to do immeasurably more yeah. in our personal yeah, yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah, and God yeah. has got so much more in store for us than we've yet fully experienced. So the Holy Spirit, he comes to us in our night struggles as we battle our fears. And he invites us to go outside of our man-made environment, our perspective and our viewpoint to show us Jesus and the finished work. Because we are connected, as we said, week after week, we are connected to that mercy seat of Jesus. We're connected to this unshakable, unbreakable uh, hope that we have through him. And he's seated in heavenly places and that's where we should be seated too. So as we gaze upon the finished work of Jesus, we believe God again. Can I tell you something? if you want to see your purpose and plan of God unfolding more in your life in these days, keep your eyes fixed yeah. on Jesus.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. the author perfecter yeah. of faith. Yeah. Abraham's faith made him righteous yeah. before God. Our faith in Christ makes us righteous before God. And as faith rises, guess what fades? fear. fear. Fear gives way to faith. So how do we hold on to hope? By gazing on the finished work of Jesus, spiritually. Our Hebrews 6 text is clear. God's word is true. He can't break his word, and his word doesn't change. But like Abraham, we have to understand God's word operates outside of all natural limitations. In some cases, God's word may take hundreds of years to be fulfilled.
0: How many people
1: want to wait that long? Yeah. Hey, you know what? The good thing is, if it does take that long, you'll be in the best seats in the house (laughs) to see it happen. (laughs) Hey, I believed for that for like, well, 300 years. (laughs) God, you're so faithful. In some cases, God's word, like I said, can be fulfilled in many, many years. Like today. You're sitting here today, Abraham's in heaven cheering you on, going, that's part of my offspring. Yeah.
0: There they are.
1: As many as the dust is on the earth, there they are. There are so many of them you can't even count them. Isn't that nice that God knows you by name? Yeah. In other cases, God's word is fulfilled in Christ. That is, Christ Himself creates immeasurably more in, in us first. So when I think about that scripture about you know him doing immeasurably more than you've ever asked to imagine, it actually starts with the knowledge of grace, knowledge of understanding who Jesus is. Coming into the revelation of His love for us. As we walk in that, then out of that pours the blessings, out of that comes everything else. The Bible says if we seek first His kingdom, then He will add everything else onto us. So as we pursue Jesus in our lives, as we understand that He is the fulfillment of all the promises of God in Himself, then out of that pours all the other blessings and promises that we're looking forward to in our lifetime. That's because of our hope in Jesus. No, we can believe for families. We can believe for the next generation. We can believe for those who are not yet walking in the fullness of what God has for them. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes, of course, we know also that God's Word, His promises are actually fulfilled in eternity. Where there is no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, everything made whole and a perfect peace. Either way, anyway, we win.
0: Yeah,
1: we win. We win. So we can hold on to the hope when we believe that God's word and promises are actually trustworthy as I said in our early scripture back in Hebrews chapter 6 we should choose to run for our very lives to God then we have every reason to grab the promised hope that is the integrity of God's word and his promises with both hands yes, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I want to just emphasize that tonight it's with both hands and never let go yeah,
0: yeah.
1: how can we hold on to hope? With both hands. This to me is a picture of being fully committed to holding on to hope. Mm-hmm. That is, we hold on to the promises with everything that we have.
0: Yeah. It's
1: fully committed. Yeah. You can't get to understand the fullness of God's hope in your life working if you're constantly hanging on by one hand, swinging through the trees, <laughs> looking for something else to grab onto because right. the hope that you had in God isn't working for you in this moment. Yeah,
0: great you have
1: to be able to say, God, I am fully in. I'm fully committed. There is no other rope that I want to hold on to. Nothing else I want to hang on to in my life, just the hope that I have in you. Because you are the fulfillment of all the words, you're the fulfillment of the promises, and if I put my trust and confidence in you, then in your time, the things that you promised will come to pass.
0: That's
1: right. Yes. Because he's God. You see, if we're only holding on with one hand That usually means we're looking for something else. I'll finish up with a warning in Luke chapter 9 verse 62. It says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service. fit for service in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. See, one hand on the plow makes it easier to look behind. When we hold on with both hands and never let go, Mm -hmm. then we're committed to to going forward.
0: Yeah.
1: So let's stand and pray together. Let's believe that God has to, promises yet to be unfolded in our lives, that He is working out His purpose and His plan. And we shall continue to believe that God wants us to be fully engaged in putting our full confidence and hope Amen. in Him. So, Father, I thank you that you are teaching us in the seasons of life and the challenges we face and the storms that come. Yes. You're teaching us to put our both hands on the rope, on the, on the hope that we have. Lord, we're holding on with everything we've got because you are everything we've got. And so, Lord, I pray in this season that we will not be shaken by the events that go on around us, by the things that we look at and we can't perceive because we don't yet fully understand the big picture. Lord, that we'll not get fixated on the fact that we don't have something like Abraham might have about his offspring. But, Lord, help us to believe that you're the God that supplies at the right moment, at the right time, all that we require and all that we need. And we thank you, Lord, that we can put our faith and confidence in that. That, Lord, you will work out all things according to your purpose and your plan in your time because, Lord, it is what you have already said to us through your word. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that as we just think about this, contemplate this, and move in us that Lord you will give us the confidence to keep trusting, keep believing and keep moving forward in all the things you called us to as we trust you. In Jesus name.